1: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here with you. Joining me right off the top of the show, Courtney Cronin, who is in Arizona and has just finished up talking with Mike Zimmer at the owners' meetings. Hello, Courtney, how are you? I'm great, how are you? I am doing well. So I'm noticing from Twitter that, uh, as the children say today, there's a lot to unpack here from uh, Mike Zimmer's comments. Where would you like to start? He addressed... Everything. <laughs>
0: we can start with Anthony Barr if you want to. I have yet to tweet that out. Um, but I mean, I just, you know, we kind of went through the whole process with it. You know, because we were, I think it was the day that Barr, uh, you know, got the press conference and Rick Spielman talked about it at length. We didn't really hear from Mike Zimmer um, about the situation. And, you know, I think it was interesting. You know, he really did think he was gone. Um, and, you know, to be able to pass up that kind of money, both Everson Griffin taking the restructure. Um, and Anthony Barr leaving all that money on the table in free agency, um, I think that's a really big thing that Zimmer's going to, ha- you know, be able to hang his hat on. Just you know, showing guys want to play in his defense; they realize it's their best fit. Um, and, and certainly, those two are, you know, the poster child for you know, fit over money. Essentially, instead of chasing a big payday, they found a place where they're comfortable. It's a scheme that they're comfortable in. And I think that, you know, for Mike Zimmer, that's a win. This is, he said, of keeping one of the good guys like that because they had lost several pieces of free agency um, before that, you know, with the departure of Sheldon Richardson, Latavius Murray, Nick Easton. So to be able to keep one of your own, uh, despite what it did to the cap situation, it certainly makes things tough. That's a win for Mike Zimmer.
1: So do we have the feeling then that Mike Zimmer and uh, Anthony Barr are on the same page for what his role is going to be? Because I mean, it seemed like throughout last year, there were little jabs from Anthony Barr on a pretty consistent basis about him wanting to rush the passer more. And that seemed like a a top reason for him to go play for the Jets and to rush the passer more. And instead, you know, he comes back here. I would have thought it would have to be contingent on his role being tweaked a little bit. Did Zimmer talk about That
0: You know, I think that what they anticipate, I mean, he said this a few weeks ago with, you know, him as a pass rusher and, you know, is that going to be a big part of his role? I still think it's a little early uh, before he's going to get into, you know, committing to something like that. But it's that versatility because once again, he talked today about, you know, Vikings are going to be bringing in some exotic things next year. It's going to be a lot of things, you know, as offenses are going, you know, sideways within these West Coast schemes and, and, you know, cutting back and what that does to a defense um, it really helps when you have that type of versatility and and it just kind of makes you think, I mean, Anthony Barr can play two positions, um, you know, multiple positions within what he does uh, as a linebacker, but he can also be a defensive end. What does that remind you of? Harrison Smith is somebody who can play up in the box. He can be in as a safety. I mean, he can honestly play nickel. I mean, he has so many guys like that, that are able to really help what he wants to do. Maybe even changing fronts. We kind of talked about, you know, what being multiple means and, you know, changing between, you know, a 3-4 and a 4-3 and and kind of exploring different options within there to keep offenses on their toes. Um, So where Anthony Barr fits in that, I would anticipate, you know, in in hearing what Mike Zimmer said today and, you know, talking to him, you know, a few weeks ago that Barr's role is going to be very fluid in this defense um, just because he can do so many things. I mean, he was commenting really about his football IQ and just how much he understands and how much he's able to do Um, and how necessary he is for this defense to run the way it needs to.
1: Courtney Cronin of ESPN. She covers the Vikings. Also usually here in this studio with us for Purple Daily. Instead in Arizona at the owners' meetings, just wrapped up talking with Mike Zimmer. All right, let's move to some of the hotter quotes from uh, Mike Zimmer here. On Xavier Rhodes, it is just classic Mike Zimmer to say he needs to play better and earn his contract. That's what he told you guys today. Um, I guess uh, you yeah. probably at this point not surprised, but uh, the bluntness of Mike Zimmer at uh, 100%. They're at the owners' meetings, it seems.
0: Yes, and, and this was towards the end too. So this might have been <laughs> exacerbated by wanting to get out of there at some point. But no, I mean he was asking all the quarterbacks. You were talking about Trey Wayne, Xavier Rhodes, and, and he likes both of them, obviously. And I think that you know the fact of the matter is Rhodes has not, or excuse me, that Wayne's has not been traded uh, at this point, at least. You know his contract hasn't been dumped somewhere else and in, in exchange for draft picks, that makes Mike Zimmer happy but he wants to see Xavier Rhodes get back to the level he played at in 2017. Um, and how that happens, like I asked him, I was like, well, you know, injuries aside, what hindered him in 2018? Like, you know, you and I have talked about it. As guys get up there in age, sometimes they have to transition from cornerback to safety because you lose speed, you lose athleticism. Um, and he said it wasn't any of those things. That, you know, really pointed to Rhodes' technique, uh, that that was kind of where faltered a little bit in two thousand eighteen and obviously the injuries were a thing. The hamstring was a problem and, and it kept nagging and, and Rhodes said to us uh, the day after the Bears game that this was the hardest season of his life just because of everything he had to go through physically. But for Zimmer to say like, you know, I'm taking that responsibility on me somewhat to get him to the level where he needs to be to be able to play, I have to play up to your contract because we're paying you a lot of money. Um, you know, it's kind of put up or shut up. And I think that, you know, Rhodes is one of those guys. I mean we heard we've heard the same type of thing said with uh, Anthony Barr and Mike Zimmer, where sometimes it comes across as maybe a little harsh. Mm-hmm. But those two understand each other, and I would say that you know Rose is definitely one of those you know jump on the table guys for Mike Zimmer as well, and he expects a lot out of him because that defense, those cornerbacks. I mean, the reason uh, you know they drafted they they love having cornerback depth. They need Xavier Rhodes to be part of that.
1: Courtney, I totally agree with Mike Zimmer that somebody of Rhodes' skill set who can shut down top receivers is extremely important in the NFL. If You win by passing and stopping the pass, right? But I also wonder at times whether with Zimmer, his loyalty to some of the guys that he's kind of helped grow throughout their careers might ultimately end up hurting the Vikings because I I was watching the football life with Bill Walsh and some of his players talked about um, being sent other places by Bill Walsh even though they had been with him for a long time because Walsh felt like they just couldn't give the same uh, type of talent as they did before in their primes and I wonder if there's a similar situation here with Xavier Rhodes where at his absolute best he's one of the top five shutdown corners in the league but he's also getting up there in age he's getting injured a lot they're calling things tighter so he's getting a lot of penalties which is why his pff grades were so bad last year and they have other players who might be able to replace him i just ultimately wonder if some of that cap space could have been used on the offensive side instead but zimmer was just extremely loyal to these guys
0: it could be that and i think that with xavier rhodes i don't know if the trade leverage is as good as maybe we thought it was initially i think that you had a better chance probably with a guy like Trey Waynes, who is you know going to be playing out as of right now, playing out the fifth year option on his contract, um, and is going to be looking for that next big payday. Right now, it doesn't feel like he's going to be here in 2020, just given the situation that they have with the salary cap and that you know another team. I mean, Trey's a really good corner. Would I call him elite just yet? I don't know, but I think that he's you know pivotal to what Zimmer wants. Um, you know. To do like in his defense so you know with with a guy like Rhodes is the best have we already seen the best I mean 2017 was a really good year mm-hmm. and last year was not can he get back there I don't know because I mean some of those comments it doesn't sound like health really I mean yes health was there but it wasn't addressed as kind of you know technique is very different than saying someone was injured you know what I mean like yeah. so when I take a look at something like that it makes you wonder okay can he get back to that level is it more of a mental game than a physical game
1: All right, as we go through some of the comments that you have tweeted out, uh, at Courtney R. Cronin on Twitter... What's that? Yeah, backup quarterback, exactly. I, backup quarterback. So I, I wrote about this at our website, scornorth.com. and my thing with the Kyle Sloter idea is, look, just based on fourth quarters of preseasons, we don't know if Kyle Sloter could step in for four to six games and win half of them. We just don't know that. And last year in training camp, he was outperformed in the practices by Trevor Simeon. They wanted Simeon back. I get the impression that they would love to create enough space to have a veteran Come in here and maybe compete with Slaughter or have that number two job while they continue to develop Slaughter.
0: Yeah, and I think that it's just, it, as you said, are we judging Kyle Slaughter off of you know a third preseason, fourth preseason, fourth preseason game? Um, I think that's honestly all we really have to judge him off of right now. That's I'm not sure if he's ready yet. Of course, you know he's put comments out. Uh, that he believes he's ready to start. I know last year when I talked to him, he said he felt like, this was before season, that he felt like he was ready to be a backup quarterback and play for real in the NFL. We just don't know yet. But obviously, I mean, Denver saw something in him a few years ago. The Vikings saw something in him a few years ago um, when, when they signed him. And uh, I think they still definitely want to keep him around. But, you know, as Mike Zimmer said, of course they prefer to have a veteran backup. Somebody... You know, as we talked about last week, you know, as I reported that there was a chance that Sean Mannion uh, could potentially come to the Vikings on a free agent visit uh, because they do have, you know, you only have two on your roster right now. And Yeah, most times a lot of teams roll with two, but I just don't think you want to take the risk of having Kirk Cousins go down. Yes, he's durable. He starts He's very long streak of starting games, but When I take a look at that in a nutshell, I just don't think that the quarterback depth is where it needs to be and they're gonna explore
1: all options there. Courtney Cronin joining us from Arizona here on Purple Daily. All right. Now Riley Reef to left guard. That seems like it is a realistic thing, depending on the draft, which kind of I mean, not that we didn't know this already, but it sort of makes it Uh, extremely obvious that their first round pick is going to be an offensive lineman and it would be really stunning if it was anything else.
0: Yeah, I think that what Mike Zimmer said with the uh, positional flexibility—that you know, moving Reese to guard, um, you know, and potentially moving Brian O'Neill to left tackle—that's stuff that they've talked about, and it's stuff that you know uh, we've talked about it months now. And keeping those scenarios in the forefront and keeping their you know flexibility for what they want to do—that's important. And I asked him like, "How do you feel about the just the state of the offensive line right now?" And I think he does feel really good about it. It's just going to be a matter of. Can you get guys to stay healthy? I think that that's for Josh Klein. You know, regardless of how he played last year, um, and kind of that you know what he talked about with his own technique last week, and just that re- refreshing vulnerability and self awareness. That yeah, I've really not been great at times. Um, and you know wanting to get better those 46 starts though were a very big deal for mike zimmer and and knowing you know all the injuries that the vikings had on the offensive line in the last few years that that's going to be important but yeah i agree with you if they don't go you know sure if and he made a joke about drafting a corner which you know i want to make sure that whole quote is out there so the entire viking fan base doesn't have a connection about it but it. <laughs> It seems very obvious that they're going to be taking an offensive lineman at 18. I mean, I wouldn't rule out, like, if a tackle did fall um, to 18, just given the depth of this defensive line group, sure, maybe best player available is where you go. But it's definitely something to keep your eye on uh, going
1: forward. So um, do you know what I'm doing right now, Courtney, in the studio? Do you got a guess?
0: You're simming. Uh,
1: Yeah, I'm simming. I'm draft simming, and guess what? Do we,
0: do, we have, I mean, do we have draft simming music? Can Manny, like, get on that? I, I'm like, sure
1: that I need, he can come some, up with something. I
0: need something. some music, and I need, I need a, I need a uh, NFL Films voice for, okay. for the next draft sim.
1: All right, give me Manny with the first pick, and then I'll tell you what it is. With the first pick, Matthew Collar selects... Uh, Courtney, this is stunning. Jonah Williams dropped to me in the first round, and I took him. Well,
0: you and Mel Kuiper because Mel's fourth, I think, third or fourth mock draft came out this morning, and he had Jonah Williams going to the Vikings at 18. It Mm. it makes complete sense, just given the circumstance of how good this defensive line group is and honestly how not deep this group of first and second round offensive linemen are. So if they can get him there and they can potentially move him around, I mean, you have Josh Klein. You can right now, I'd say, slot him in at right guard. I don't think you're going to... I don't think you need to move him to left guard if he's already had 46 starts or whatever it is at right guard, and then potentially move Jonah Williams. Uh, and we played Pat Alabama for 40 plus starts, but you know he's got the size that they like. Um, you know, from those uh, from the guys in the interior, so maybe you can do that, and then you can keep Riley Reese for left tackle. I think the options are plentiful. Uh, if you are able to get a guy
1: like Jonah Williams. It it really feels like Jonah Williams' draft stock has dropped a little bit, and maybe that's in part because he told everyone at the Combine that he wants to be a left tackle. In his interviews on TV, he was like, no, I'll play anywhere, but you just like weren't buying that. And some things came out that he wants to play left tackle, but I think that that's probably okay if you move him inside. Uh, Manny, can you say with the 50th pick? Because I'm at second round.
2: With the 50th pick. Matthew
1: Collar, on behalf of the Vikings, in his mock draft selects. (laughs) I am taking Dexter Lawrence, the defensive uh, tackle from Clemson. I am killing this draft sim, Courtney. How did How did he fall to the second round? I don't know, but it was either him or Debo Samuel, the wide receiver. But I, I have to go with Dexter Lawrence here. Uh, By the way, if you wanna, if if you wanna. Well, just, uh, if, if people want to draft sim and send them to me, go to the com and where it says mock draft, and you can do draft sims. And we're probably going to do some sort of draft sim contest at some point. And I'm going to draft sim, sim right now. I'm really excited fact. by that. Uh, man, everyone needs to draft sim. Uh, so, a defensive. I, I think a defensive tackle is important for the draft. Did Mike Zimmer talk at all today about just the state of the defense and where they still need to fill holes?
0: Yeah, I think that. You know, with a guy like Shamar Stefan, they really like him as a run stopper. He's fundamentally sound. Is he Sheldon Richardson? No. But, you know, that's a spot where they've done they've had a lot of different looks and, you know, they like to rotate players in there. And, you know, what they do next to Lyndall Joseph, um, in having that three technique position be as sound as it is, that's gonna be critical. Um, I think for him it's a really important thing to Keep the defense where it's been at and being able to pay guys and, and, keep these pieces, these fundamental pieces, these foundational pieces in place, uh, to continue doing what he wants to do. And he was, you know, saying kind of a lot of the similar things that he said a, a few weeks ago. They're going to be exotic. They're going to be, you know, doing a lot of different things, uh, to throw at offenses and they're going to try to try out a whole ton of stuff this year. And it kind of, you know, brings you back to week four last year when he's, you know, kind of had to go back to the drawing board and go through some of the changes and and fix the things after they kind of hit rock bottom in Los Angeles. Um, You know, I anticipate that this is going to be, you know, a bounce back year for them defensively for sure, just because of some of the ideas that he's thrown out with different fronts and being multiple Um, and and being able to retain those pieces. If you follow what their strategy has been in free agency, I think that that certainly points to kind of what they have in store uh, coming in the next few months.
1: Okay, Manny, 81st pick.
2: With the 81st pick, Matthew Collar on behalf of the Minnesota Vikings (laughs) in his
1: mock draft selects I am taking Dawson Knox, the tight end from Mississippi. Tight end. Yeah. Yes, he is a a, okay. a a raw prospect. But I think if Kyle Rudolph is staying on this team this year, it's not a bad idea to draft one a little bit higher and just increase your odds of having the next starting tight end on the Vikings if Kyle Rudolph does not want to stay. And he
2: can run, too.
1: For He's sure. Tired, yeah.
0: and, and the thing that's really interesting, I asked Mike Zimmer just how he feels about pieces that are around Kirk Cousins, does he think they need to have more weapons, whether it's a second tight end, a you know, vertical threat tight end, more of a wide receiver or a number three wide receiver. And he said no. He says he likes the personnel they have right now. It wasn't kind of, you know, the answer you were expecting to be yeah, we'd like to solidify, finally solidify the number three receiver position or have somebody to compliment Kyle Rudolph. He likes the personnel they have, of course. Would you like to be able to have more chess pieces? Anyone would say that. And yeah, it's, it just kind of depends on what your camp situation is like and what you do in the draft. But he's confident. I mean, with, you know, Dixon Sealand, that's what he is going to put in the forefront. And that's what he was, you know, harping on. Yeah, those are really good pieces to have around Kirk Cousins. But if you get a guy like Dawson Knox, who is athletic from what we know, uh, and as you said, he's a raw prospect. That's why he's fallen to, he would, you know, you'd be able to get him potentially in the third or fourth round. Um, maybe he can be that for kirk cousins be the guy who stretches the field as a vertical threat you know your f tight end that you can move around as a chess piece um and give them something aside from what they have
1: with Kyle courtney uh anything else before you go that stuck out to you from zimmer at the owners meetings
0: well it's interesting talking to him kind of in a more relaxed setting you get kind of a introspective look back on what happened, you know, last season, and I think the really interesting takeaway is from Zimmer about stringing success from year to year. And he's like, "Well, we have to be successful first in order for me to do that." So, okay, touche. Um, but you take a look at what's happened every single year since he's been here. 2014, you know, he takes the worst defense in the NFL and makes them what they are. But you know, they still finish where they do. 2015, great years, division champion. 2016, we all know what happened with the eight and eight finish after you know starting five and zero. 2017, great year. 2018, not so much. So I think that it's you know what we took from him is he tried to maintain and manage success better than they have before. Maybe that faltered into some of the expectations uh, that went arise for this team. Um, you know, you talked about Kurt Cousins today. He, said he had actually a really good conversation with Kyle Shanahan last night here at the owners' meetings. Um, kind of about all things Kirk and who he is, and you know that yeah he needs to play better in games. That's the bottom line here. It's not any sort of tangible thing of oh well pocket presence or maybe shouldn't tap the ball and hold on to it for too long or drop nine and a half yards uh, deep in the pocket when he's supposed to be seven and a half. It wasn't any of those things. It's just bottom line he needs to play better. Um, and I really think that what that boils down to is the Gary Kubiak Kyle Shanahan connection. I think that's what Zimmer was getting at with this conversation. But all of those things are going to factor into, is this team successful or is it not? And if they are, how can they manage that? How can they finally string consecutive successful seasons, consecutive winning seasons together, where the team is in the playoffs, under my and back-to-back years.
1: So I would, uh, allow me just a second of snark. So when you and I were talking about how 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns didn't really mean anything, the head coach of the football team is saying that Kirk Cousins needs to play better. So just like, I'm just going to leave yes. it right there. In games. In it's actual not, not. in actual big situations, not just at yes. the end of a game when you're down 22-6 to six in Chicago and you throw for 200 more yards. Not those type of situations. Yes.
0: Exactly. And I think that, you know, if we talked to him at the combine, and the the formula that he, that he said that he's had success with before is that, yeah, he, all of the UFAs he's had under him in year two tend to play better. Well, there's no real scientific way to prove that. It's all on a situation and case by case basis. But with Kirk Cousins, at least they've got stuff to where. They're trying to be proactive with it, hiring Gary Kubiak once again. Mike Zimmer was waxing poetic today, just about he said he's never been with like a a staff like this offensively, and just how much he's enjoyed being in those meetings more than he's probably ever been um, in his career as like an NFL coach. Just being able to see how they put this process in, it's in that you know the way that they teach quarterbacks. And the way that they work with their quarterbacks is different than any of the coordinators he's had. So that, to me, um, really speaks to kind of the bigger picture here of how they can get the most out of Kirk Cousins in year two. And, you know, this really, I mean, yes, Zimmer has a contract extension. We know that. um, But, you know, things if, if this doesn't go well, you know, this is very much... I think you take away the mentality, like Zimmer's going down with the ship either way, whether it goes well or whether it doesn't. And, you know, a lot of that is on Kirk Cousins, and I think a lot of that is on Mike Zimmer, and he takes that on him personally as well to put this team in a situation when things aren't right um, If how to, you know, work through some things that, you know, maybe they didn't do so well last year. Um, and, you know, hopefully they'll be able to turn it around.
1: Courtney, thank you for your time, and next week we will be back together draft simming in studio.
0: Draft Sim, mean, we're going to do five rounds next week, right?
1: Well, yes, yeah. We've been doing three rounds, but I think it's time to expand it. We need a five-round uh, draft Sim for, they, for next week.
0: No, they don't have a fifth-round pick right now, because that was in the trade to the Jets for Trevor Simeon, so we're going to go with six rounds. Okay, and yeah, let's
1: let's not get ahead yeah, of ourselves I'm either.
0: Picking, I'm not picking three seventh-rounders, so we,
1: you can do that. <laughs> we've, we've got time, though. We've got time to work our way up to that. So uh, we've got... Almost, let's see, about, yeah, we've got about another month until we draft. So let's just slowly build, and then we will get there to the seven-round mock with all three seventh-round picks. So, uh, Courtney, enjoy your time in uh, Arizona, and we will talk to you next week. All right. Thanks for having me. Courtney Cronin there, ESPN. Follow her on Twitter to see some of the quotes from Mike Zimmer at Courtney R. Cronin. We will continue to go through those and talk about those uh, as we go forward here on the show. Also, Manny and I have looked at some rule changes. I want to stick next segment with something that Mike Zimmer said. And then at 1 o'clock, Manny, we'll get to our rule changes that have been proposed. And we're going to make the cases for and against The case for expanded replay, the case for the uh, fourth and 15 as opposed to the onside kick, and then the cases against them. And then Manny and I are both making up our own rules that we would love to see added to the NFL. But I want to talk about Zimmer and Xavier Rhodes. When we come back, you are listening to Purple Daily here on 1500. (laughs) 1500. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score
2: North. This is the all-new Score North, Minnesota Sports. Anytime, anywhere, Scorenorth.com. And this Palmer sits in. Pass picked off. Intercepted by Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes down the sideline and good by touchdown. Vikings. No flags.
1: All right, welcome back to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, Manny Hill here today. Courtney Cronin is in Arizona. If you missed her comments about uh, Mike Zimmer's talk with the media today, you can check that out at scorenorth.com. Or if you do not subscribe on iTunes to the Purple Daily, the Score North Vikings feed, what are you doing? Like That would be a wise choice for you to do. And if you don't listen to podcasts, well, you probably have a cell phone with that little purple podcast button. So you just put the two, two and two together, go search score North Vikings. And if you really, really love what you're hearing, leave a comment. If you don't, then don't leave a comment. Don't do that. Um, okay. So some interesting stuff from Mike Zimmer about um, Xavier Rhodes. And is it, par for the course, no surprise to anyone that Zimmer would be very blunt about Xavier Rhodes' play. He said that Xavier Rhodes has to get back to his level that he played in 2017, and Zimmer said, quote, I'm going to make sure that he plays better because those guys are important to the defense and what we do. There's no doubt about that, Manny, that Xavier Rhodes, at his best, is one of the shutdown corners in the NFL, but he was not that last year. He was just... As far as a quarterback rating and throws his way, he was slightly above league average. But when it came to the penalties, too, if you add in all those penalties, that's why his pro football focus grade had him toward the bottom of the league. So it's not just a little bit of improvement from last year. It's got to be a major cut down on the penalties and then perform better, especially against the Packers in both games. Devontae Adams really ate him up. And I, I wonder about his size, and how he wins, like using his physicality and his mm-hmm. length, if the NFL is really going to allow him to continue to be that elite corner. So I want to play a little game here with you, Manny, of of would you rather? like, Would you rather have Xavier Rhodes in 2019 and hope he gets better, or hope he gets back to his 2017 performance, or enough money to get Jared Cook, who just signed a contract with the Saints, a tight end, who had 68 catches last year, mm-hmm. enough money to sign him and then bring in another veteran corner kind of off the heap and move Mike Hughes into that job? Would you rather have the corner who was a shutdown corner or another offensive weapon and kind of roll the dice with a veteran free agent?
2: I would go with the latter because for me, my mindset is, my thought on where this team is at has always been, how do you make Kirk cousins better? And how do you get him to have as much success as possible? And you and I, we've both kind of been in lockstep that the the best way to make Kirk cousins better is to surround him with as many weapons as possible. And I think that really should have been the approach this offseason: is how do you make Kirk cousins better? How do you make him more productive to get you over the hump? Because, That's why you brought him in. You brought him in with the idea that he was going to help you get over the hump. Well, we're starting to see that Kirk Cousins just kind of is who he is. So the best way to make him better is to make his supporting cast around him better. And as much as I like Xavier Rhodes and as good a player as he's been for the Vikings over the course of the last, was it 2013, I think, when they drafted him. So he's been here for six years. I mean, I think you got to start thinking about what's, the best route to go for the foot for the entire football team. And you got to put loyalty and all that stuff aside. And look, Mike Zimmer is Mike Zimmer is thought of as a defensive guru, a defensive genius that he's supposed to be good with developing corners and making corners better. That's how Xavier Rhodes got good. Mm-hmm. Cause Xavier Rhodes as a rookie had his struggles as most rookie defensive backs do. And then Mike Zimmer came in in the second year and we saw the growth and development of Xavier Rhodes. So why, as much as it would hurt to lose him, why, why would we think otherwise that Mike Zimmer can't bring in another guy a cheaper guy and develop him and make him even better
1: right Holton Hill played extremely well in the fill-in role and then Mike Hughes has a very high ceiling and Hughes's health is a little bit up in the air for whether he'll be ready for week one and how he's going to bounce back from that torn ACL but with Kirk Cousins it's pretty clear that the more weapons he has the better he's performed throughout his career which you would say for almost every quarterback but I think with Cousins it's a little bit extreme with him but the interesting part about Cousins to me is just how he has been the exact same guy year after year when yeah. you look at his pro football focus grades and they're grading the throws and he's just exactly who they thought he was. And this expectation that the Kubiak scheme is just going to mean a whole different Kirk Cousins, I just have a really tough time believing that. And when it comes to keeping an older corner, which weirdly Xavier Rhodes is now, Mm -hmm. uh, but a guy his size, if he was a smaller, quicker guy, lighter guy, you might say, well, getting to 30 years old isn't that big of a deal. He's probably got three, four years left. But when you're talking about a bigger guy, who breaks down and has had these injuries throughout the last couple years, that's where it makes it harder for me to say that that cap space is worth so much versus an offensive weapon. And when Courtney says that Zimmer feels really good about the offensive personnel, aside from adding one more offensive lineman, I mean, that kind of like takes me aback a little bit. Like, really? I mean, the... Like The guys that you had last year were just not enough for him. And we don't know how healthy Delvin Cook is going to be. Latavius Mm -hmm. Murray left, and there's no money to sign a TJ Yeldon or a Jay Ajayi to add that extra running back. So now you're hoping that... Whoever plays number two tight end, Tyler Conklin or David Morgan, is better than last year. Mm, okay, unlikely, right? You're hoping that Laquan Treadwell is better. See, yeah. Please don't do that again. <laughs> oh and goodness. you're hoping that Mike Boone is an impact player. He might be. He might not be. Like or Amir Abdullah is an impact player. He might be. He might not be. The Lions cut Amir Abdullah. You know, it, it seems to me like Mike Zimmer just got his way this offseason in whatever power struggle there might have been between front office and head coach that Zimmer wanted to bring back the whole defense and he's bringing back the whole damn defense and hey Gary best of luck working with uh, Kirk Cousins to make the most out of him but the last time that I checked with Kirk Cousins he was running this type of scheme 2015-16-17 and he was basically the same quarterback with the same win-loss record as he was last year And, you know, I I think that protecting him and giving him more weapons is the number one thing for this team to improve when you were 19th in scoring. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're not protecting him better, if he doesn't have better weapons to throw to, how much better are you really getting? Are you really going from 19th to the top seven or eight teams so you could be in that conversation for a Super Bowl team? Or is it? You know, maybe just a little bit better if you don't have better personnel.
2: And think about with the draft picks that they have now, and we're going to dive more into the draft over the next couple of weeks, but think about how how much they're going to have to rely on, possibly rely on, rookies coming in and being productive. Yes. That, off, that first offensive lineman that they take, and we all think they're probably going to take an offensive lineman, whether it's a guard or a tackle, that guy is probably going to be starting on your offensive line week right. one. You need that guy to be good, and you're relying on a rookie who's not a top ten pick to step in and be really, really good and play at almost a Pro Bowl level for you, because that's that's what it's going to take. Are you going to take? You know, I like Dawson Knox. You know, from Mississippi, he's a he's a tight end that can really run, but he's very raw. Right, he's a real
1: game changer. Yeah,
2: if if you take him in the third round, is he going to step in and right away? and be able to fill that second tight end role for you? Or are you going to be relying heavily on Kyle Rudolph again?
1: So to your point about drafting someone to be able to fill right in, and this is really playing with fire. It's not mm-hmm. that it can't happen that the guy can't be great, but let's take a look at the tackles who were drafted in the first two rounds. Let's say they're looking at tackles this year. There are some good prospects, but last year, first two rounds, Mike McGlinchey was good for San Francisco, but he was the ninth overall pick. Mm-hmm. So you can't get Mike McGlinchey. Colton Miller at 15 was a truck fire. He was one of the worst tackles in the NFL, 15. Isaiah went at 23, tore his ACL. So he's off the table. Connor Williams moved to guard for Dallas and gave them like average play. Mm -hmm. I believe he moved to guard. And then uh, Brian O'Neill gave the Vikings average play when he came in. And then there was one guy, Orlando Brown, who was drafted in the third round who was a starter for his team and gave around average play to the Baltimore Ravens. That's about it for last year. None of those guys, except for Mike McGlinchey, were significant game changers in the first round. So, you know, I'm looking, I'm trying to look year by year. Like, how about this one? Like Jake Fisher, remember Jake Fisher, mm-hmm. 2015? He was supposed to be like a second round draft pick, high second, who would be a game changer. He turned into a tight end. Now, he signed with Buffalo as a tight end. Wow. Some of these other guys. How about Eric Flowers? Bus fire, right? Just a yep. just a bad Complete player. Disaster. Yep, yep. Bad player. DJ Humphreys, total bust. Donovan Smith needed a couple of years to get decent. Those are from 2015 where we can look back and actually have a sample size. The the better guys usually at the top, like Ronnie Stanley has come turned into a great player, but he's at the top of 2016. And then you get into like Taylor Decker's been good and then some other guys, but you're really rolling the dice with just hoping that someone at tackle or guard can step in and hoping this is the other thing. I mean, anytime a team is saying to me, we'll see the reason it's going to be better than it was is blank. You're like, well, you better hope. I mean, Josh Klein was not good last year. Mm -hmm. I watched a couple of his games. He played in this scheme and Klein, on his own conference call, said, you know what? My technique uh, wasn't so good last year. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, then. That might be a bit of a problem. His team cut him. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this guy will solve all of our problems after his own team running the same scheme said, "Now nah, we don't want him anymore.
2: And I, I feel like usually if you're asking a rookie offensive lineman to come in, and start right away, you're usually in a situation where you're surrounding him with pretty good players, like above average players around. If it's a guard, you know, he's, he's surrounded by, you know, he's bookended by a a pretty good right tackle, maybe not elite, but pretty good right tackle and a pretty good center. The Vikings, you step, you ask a guy to step in and play at left guard as a rookie for you. You got Riley reef. Who's an average left tackle. Yeah and you've got Pat Elfline who we think is pretty good but we don't know i mean maybe he'll be better because he's going to have a you know a full offseason training camp without having to deal with you know surgeries coming back from surgeries and things like that but you're really you're hoping that he is going to return to the Pat Elfline of 2017 so now you're asking this rookie guy to come in play left guard with an average left tackle and a starting center around him that you're hoping can return to form from two years ago.
1: And I did ask about this. Uh, One of my friends at Pro Football Focus, Eric Eager, who you had on the show yesterday, I asked him, like, do offensive linemen impact each other? So maybe it's no surprise that Indianapolis took a big step with their offensive line and Braden Smith was one of the higher-rated guys because he stepped into an offensive line that was good. And their center is good and they've got... uh, you know Quentin Nelson is on that team so th- do they impact each other and he said that PFF has found that the grades are higher usually if the guy next to you is better and you see a dip when the guy next to you falls off and, mm-hmm. and i mean with Pat Elfline last year just add that to the further context of why he didn't play as well because he's he had playing with
2: Tom Compton next right, to him
1: right Tom Compton a career backup and then Mike Remmers so from that perspective that might help Elfline to have someone experienced like Josh Klein but we don't know what we're getting out of Josh Klein. Right. And, and I, where I come back to with this whole thing was with Everson Griffin bringing him back and Xavier Rhodes bringing him back, I have a great deal of respect for Mike Zimmer being loyal to these players. To saying, look, I mean, talk about Everson Griffin, a guy who was made by Mike Zimmer. Mm-hmm. He made him a starter and said, you know what? He may be a little undersized at the time, which is funny now because he doesn't seem undersized now. But like... <laughs> At the time it felt like, oh, you know, he's a situational rusher. He's a little undersized to one of the best defensive ends in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And with Xavier Rhodes, same thing, like a a prospect who dropped in the draft a little bit and was raw and you know had switched from wide receiver to corner in college and they weren't sure. And then here's Zimmer, it's like one of his great projects of making Xavier Rhodes into an elite corner. Yep. So I can understand why he would have this loyalty, but then I also think like this is why you have a front office to say, um, Mike, I know that you love Xavier Rhodes, but if he doesn't take a pay cut, we got to trade him because we can't afford him anymore if we're going to win with our offense. And I think that they're just putting so much pressure on Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski to make Kirk Cousins way better And I'm not sure he can be way better. I mean, last year, I'm not sure that everyone quite realizes how inefficient the Vikings offense was passing the football. But they were among the bottom third of the league in stats that are most telling, I think. Like, expected points is the most telling stat to me with passing. And they're 22nd. And and the Patriots didn't put up huge yardage numbers, but they were 5th. Like, that's because on third down, Tom Brady is making plays, right? So it kind of tells you in the red zone, Tom Brady's making plays. So it tells you a more accurate picture. And the Vikings need to take a huge jump forward passing. Not just a little jump forward, huge. And the same with the running game. It's not just a little bit better. They need to be way better. They were 21st in the league in yards per attempt. This was a bad offense last year. So you invest no more personnel, really, because you sub out, Remmers and you sub in Klein and Mm -hmm. then you draft someone that you're unsure of how good he's going to be. I I think that there is a scenario where this all works great and they're up at the top of defense, number one in defense and they're right back at it. And then there's also a scenario where this just doesn't look a whole lot different than it did last year.
2: And I think even now, and you know, maybe they'll address this in the draft, but again, you're relying on rookies to step in into significant roles and be contributors. But, we talked about it. Tight end, who's who's the second running back going to be behind Dalvin Cook? It's got to be for multiple reasons. You got to have him.
1: It Has to be Amir Abdullah or Mike Boone right now. It's the only two guys I mean, on the roster.
2: I mean, with I mean th- that that whole situation is twofold. I mean, you've got you you need to have multiple running backs to, you know, you just need depth there. And Dalvin Cook, you don't you don't know if he can be healthy for a full season. We haven't seen it yet. As good as he is right. when he does yeah, play, yeah. we we don't know if he can be healthy for a full 16-game season. So you get to week six, and Dalvin Cook's got to sit out because he's turned an ankle or he's got a hamstring pull or something like that. He's obviously not trying to be injured, but those things happen. Who's going to step in?
1: It's very interesting to me that Zimmer is banking on his own ability to make a guy much better than he was last year. And I do think that Mike Zimmer is among the best defensive coaches of the last 30 years in the NFL, when you look at his consistency from Cincinnati to Minnesota to what he did uh, in Dallas as well, uh, I was reading a study kind of on like how people like Mike Zimmer and Wade Phillips and a few others have consistently made the most of their defenses. And it's more it makes it more predictable what your defense is going to be if you have one of those guys. Mm-hmm. So it's a great weapon to have for um, a top-notch defensive play caller. But that would also kind of tell you that they would still be able to have a really good defense even if they sacrificed some of these guys. So, you know, I, I, I think that when it comes down to the loyalty, I, I respect it and I appreciate it. And Zimmer talked about that last year with Kevin Stefanski wanting to leave about, like, being loyal to the contract that he signed. And it seems to be something that Zimmer holds way up there. And I respect that. But at the same time, there's a salary cap. If there Mm -hmm. was no salary cap, this would be fine. You would say like, well, you know what? Maybe you're paying him a little too much. But it's the same thing with like Joe Maurer's contract that nobody could seem to ever get over. It was like, well, you're not really paying that bill. And they weren't Signing top free agents anyway. So let's not get too far into that one because people will <laughs> angrily call.
2: But like, we don't want to ignite the people that say cheap poll ads all the time.
1: Right. But with baseball, <laughs> like, you're not footing the bill. So it doesn't matter right. if they overpay for player X. With football, it does. And there's a couple guys that on this team are taking up a big amount of the cap space. So, Manny, I, I did a little funky math with overthecap.com, the salary cap website. And if Kirk Cousins was on a rookie contract instead of his $29 million cap hit for this year. Mm -hmm. He's on a rookie contract. The Vikings would be bottom three in offensive spending around him right now. I mean, wow. They're number two in defensive spending. Like, I'm not sure that that is the way to distribute your cash in 2019, especially when your play caller can up the level of play of people on the defensive side. So really interesting stuff from Zimmer. Make sure you follow Courtney on Twitter, Courtney R. Cronin. She's got a lot of the quotes coming out from Zimmer about Anthony Barr, about Xavier Rhodes, the backup quarterback situation. Um, When we come back, A, a classic quote from Bruce Arians. I'm glad he's back in the league. And B, somehow Eminem involved himself in the AAF. We're going to talk about that, and then we've got – Our cases for rule changes when we come back. You are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. It's involved risk. Welcome to the all-new Score North, Minnesota sports, anytime, anywhere,
2: scorenorth.com. Spring is finally here, and it's time to start thinking about your summer getaways. Bid on fantastic summer vacation packages from Jellystone Park and Warren's Lodging, in Warrens, Wisconsin, enjoy outdoor amenities such as Yogi Bear's Water Zone, the Yogi Bear Theater, mini golf, beach, and daily activities. Go to ScoreNorth.com keyword auction to bid. Auction ends tomorrow at 8 p.m.
1: Wide receiver. taking a shot. Has horn downfield. It's a jump ball. Falls incomplete. <laughs> Johnny Manziel played in the AAF over the weekend, and Marshall Mathers tweeted about it. Eminem, the rapper, <laughs> who's still around, yep. and I don't know if he still raps, but he's he still... released the album last year. It was actually did he? It was actually pretty good. Really? Yeah, it's first been good
2: album in a long time. A that while. He's made. Yeah,
1: yeah. But apparently, he was excited about the AAF because Eminem tweeted. That he wants the AAF to have players fight like hockey. And that if they did that, then he would watch. So that's Eminem's idea to improve. We're going to talk next segment about improving the NFL. That is not one of my ideas, is to have players fight as opposed to just not fighting like they do in football. Um, But Johnny Manziel tweeted, I got you, or something like that, like, got your back. Eminem. So, Johnny Manziel is going to bring fighting to the AAF, or I don't know, maybe just trying to get some likes. I, I really don't understand Johnny Manziel being in the AAF. Like, if, if you are this developmental league, it would seem to me that it's a good idea to avoid it becoming like a second chance league. And I think the CFL feels the same way. And that's why the CFL pretty quickly cut bait with Johnny Manziel when Mm -hmm. he acted up. We still don't know exactly what he did, but we can kind of figure that out from Johnny Manziel. It was probably either not coming to practice or still having off-the-field issues or whatever it might be. But they were really quick to be like, nope, see ya, Johnny Manziel. That'll be all. Our league is good. We don't need you. We don't need your name. We're set with the CFL, so get out of here. And with the AAF, I think that they're really, like, walking a tightrope by allowing Manziel to try to make his comeback there. I don't know if they want to be that league. Because, I mean, my thought was, well, does Greg Hardy still want to play football? Or, I mean, right, like... Oh, I, I mean, what's the difference? They both right. have an assault on a woman in their background, mm-hmm. and then Manzel has a bunch of other problems, and so does Greg Hardy. So, are we just like giving spots in the AAF to now every guy who basically isn't wanted anymore in the NFL for their second chance opportunity? I don't really like that. I, I would much rather see the AAF be the Kyle Slaughter League. Yeah, Kyle Slaughter needs to play some football. He's a third quarterback. He hasn't been in a game since college outside of the preseason. Like, Get this guy in some games against other players with NFL experience or other players who are practice squad guys trying to make it or bottom-of-the-roster guys. Get him some experience and help him develop at a, a little bit faster of a play with no real pressure. Like That, to me, seems like a great idea, having Johnny Manziel there just to hope a handful of people tune in to see Johnny Manziel is like gimmicky shtick that won't last as a long term model.
2: Yeah, no, I I think what you're what you're getting at is you want the AAF to be very similar to what the G League is for the NBA, Absolutely. where you've got guys that are scrapping and clawing and trying to make it to the big show, but they just they need some seasoning and they're not going to get any other opportunity to you know hone their skills and get better and develop. So you're you're opening up the doors. With the AAF, for these guys to come in and try and better themselves, and that you know an NFL team can take a serious look at them and say, "Okay, I kind of like what I saw in this guy. Let's give him, let's bring him into camp and see and see what he can do and see if he can help us." And then, you know, you you see you might see a guy or two come out of that league and turn into a a, a good player in the NFL, perhaps. I I'm with you. I don't think the AAF should be a sideshow. It should not just be where you just put in guys to try and boost ratings. I don't think that that's what the AAF should be. It's not what the G League is for the NBA. They're not bringing in guys that are not good and got themselves kicked out of the league for whatever reason. And, you know, they're 29, 30 years old and they're still trying to hang on. And, and you know, you're they're kind of a big name and the G League is trying to get ratings right. and try and get attention and all. Like, no, that's not what it should be.
1: Right. And, uh, you know, I, I just wonder... Like, slippery slope arguments are, like, bad, usually. Oh, if we do this, then what? Next we're going to do that? Like, in politics, they're usually just, like, not logical. Mm -hmm. And usually it's because one side doesn't have a very good argument, so they go, that's a slippery slope. But in this case, I think a slippery slope is the right argument of, like, if you bring back Manziel, then who else are you letting come back into this league? And I know that there aren't a ton of Manziel characters who have been thrown out, but there's enough of them that you wonder, are they just all going to guys that you don't want in the NFL going to be calling the AA uh, F to try and get a second chance. I'm not sure that that's what I want it to be. It it, much better as a developmental league and without fighting Eminem. Sorry. (laughs) Just, I'm just going to go ahead and say, it's not a great idea.
2: I wonder if, A few years ago, if the AAF was around a few years ago, if they would have brought in Ray Rice.
1: Well, that's it. And that's the point, right? You know, now I personally think with Ray Rice, after what happened, he did everything right to try and make that right. Mm -hmm. Like he became an advocate and seemed to have gotten his life together and understood where his mistakes were. And I always think like everyone deserves a second chance, but not a third. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, if he had been good at football still, I probably would have said, just like with Kareem Hunt, like what he did was awful. But if he uses it to sort of shine a light on that in society and does the right things after that, then he should be allowed to come back. Like Michael Vick. Mm-hmm. Michael Vick came back and he kept his nose clean and he did everything right. And like now he's on tv and he was helping out as an assistant coach i think for a summer with the chiefs like these are good positive he was gonna
2: be on uh staff when chili was first one of the aaf coaches but then chili backed out and i think vic backed out
1: right so so these are like good things that a guy made for a second chance in his life and everyone deserves that but you know is is that what the aaf wants to be is the second chance league i don't know if they do so um but We are not going to suggest anything close to what Eminem did for the AAF, but we are going to suggest some rule changes and talk about the ones that are on the table at the owners' meetings. Fourth and 15 instead of the onside kick. Replay expansion. We're going to make our cases for those. When we come back, you are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North.